We're not building a church, we're building the body of Christ and that we're connected to each other, that we're there to share a faith with each other, not just to mm-hmm. share a pew. And then what we're fighting over is, is <laughs> will pass away, as we say. I'm Mitch. And I'm Missy. We're co-workers. He's the boss and we're married. And she's the boss. Together, we host Good Faith Weekly, a podcast on faith and culture. What could possibly go wrong? Tune in and find out. Missy. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, Missy and I are going to catch up and tell you why we're about to pass out in our own house. And then later on the pod, we sat down with the Reverend Dr. Starlet Thomas as season number four of the Racist Gospel podcast is underway. And you're going to want to download it and listen to it immediately after this podcast. So it's going to be a good pod. Stay tuned. Hello there, Missy. Hey, how are you? I am sweating like a banshee. I, I see that. <laughs> Would you like to tell the good people out in Good Faith Media World why we are beating up on our foreheads so? You guys, we are approaching two weeks with a broken air conditioner. <laughs> I don't know if you've looked at the temperatures, lady, higher in the south, but it's a little hot. The the, the second day after you know, after our AC went out, uh, as we were waiting on a repair person, uh, the heat index got to 125, I think, mm-hmm. degree, degrees, actual Fahrenheit degrees. Yeah. Um, it, it was pretty miserable inside. And so as we got to that point where, okay, what do we do? Are we going to stay here? Are we going to go somewhere else? We both just got pretty stubborn about it. <laughs> as a point, or we buckered down. As a point of pride, we're like, "No, we're staying." <laughs> I think at one time I just laid on the floor trying not to move at all. <laughs> we should have done like a captain's log. Okay, so day four was the day that the AC company finally got here and let us know it was the blower, which you already knew that it was. Um, but then, of course, I say, say that again because that that makes me sound like a real mechanic. <laughs> you already knew what the problem was. Thank you. Thank you. If you only knew how to <laughs> procure <laughs> one and install it, it would be gold. Very true. But you don't. I do so not. Good job diagnosing and having no solution. What's well, the preacher coming out of me? I, I know Absolutely. the problem. I just can't find a solution to okay, it. Okay, true. Um, so, anyways, the time that the tech came out and he's like, "Well, it's it's the blower." We're like, "Okay, when can you fix it?" He's like, "Well, I gotta go see if I've got a part at the store." We're like. Okay, well, when will that be? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Anywho, long story short, here we still sit. The part has been ordered and might be in seven to ten days. Then, might be. Then we've got to get on the schedule for repairs. So it was, I think, like I said, day four when we broke down and bought We have spent a small fortune on window units. <laughs> Our HOA is about to come after us because we're not supposed to have them. We are covertly putting them in windows that cannot be seen. But I will say this as a testimony. Window units are the bomb. They do. Yes, they're they're keeping us from killing each other, I think, right now. Today. 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 (laughs) Today. So, yes, we're sleeping with windows, which, I mean, for, for... Many parts of the country and many homes are, is not a big sure. deal, but for us, those of us who are used to just you know central air, you know this is a new thing for us. But no, we're we're comfortable-ish. We've all had to move our all you and me have had to move our offices into the main area uh-huh. of the house that is because my office now upstairs is now known as 
the pit of hell yes. because it is about 110 degrees in my office right now. It is so hot upstairs. So yes, yeah, so that that's our situation that we are living with right now. Um, we are fine and okay, but it is, of course, this happens at a time when just the news, I mean, record-breaking temperatures and heat domes and all of the things that are happening right now. And for us is especially um, even more real as we sit well, as you just wedding. As you just articulated, I mean, we're, we're poking fun a little bit about this idea of our AC breaking down. We had the means and the ability to go out and buy window units and to be able to continue living in these conditions, even though they're not, you know, wonderful conditions. It's, it's not, it's not mm-hmm. ideal for us, but, but we're fine. But we're fine, right? I mean, yeah. Get by and we're doing okay. What this has reminded me of as I think about our situation and then look at the news headlines out in Phoenix over 20 days in a row of over 110 degrees, uh, Death Valley breaking record heat into the 130s all across Europe. Temperatures continue to rise. We have never seen these types of temperatures before, and it's only getting worse. It's not getting any better. It's it's almost like it's almost like the climate's changing. Wow! Did, did you coin that phrase? I think so. I think so. <laughs> Trademark that now. <laughs> it's, it's just another sign that is is just more and more evidence that. Climate change is real, and if we do not do something about it significantly and swiftly, that it is going to continue destroying not only this planet, but those people who inhabit this planet. And thinking about our air conditioning system and this blower going out, I just want the audience to imagine for just a second, because it's going to happen, that... The larger the population gets, the more power that is drained from the grids in states across this country as more and more more people seek relief. These power grids are going to start going down. And when they do, it is going to be torturous. And there are going to be multiple, multiple deaths associated with the heat. We cannot afford to continue the status quo. We have to get back to the goals of the Paris Climate Agreement. We have to reduce our carbon footprint across the globe. America needs to be a leader in this effort because if we don't, the rest of the world will not follow. So we have to be the leader and we have to set these goals and make them real. If not, it's only going to continue to get warmer and warmer and warmer until it's going to be a point of no return. Well, I mean, and I guess to go, I mean, thank you for that uplifting word. Um, <laughs> it's hot people. It's I hot. Guess, and I guess to get further down in, in, in this issue is, you know, when we talk about, like we've talked about many times before, so much is tied to this climate change, the, the human migration that is happening yeah, yeah, yeah. in our, which leads to our immigration issues, which leads to, you know, so many other things that we're dealing with right now can be traced back to 
climate. And so, you know, just like our, our little air conditioner blower that went out, because again, it had just, it had fought the good fight. It had worked as long as it (laughs) It was. It was a little engine that could until Until it it couldn't. couldn't. And then it started smoking and that was, you know, very dangerous, but I mean, it's just, well, we do not, I mean, smoking was probably the problem. Probably. (laughs) Insert dad jokes. Okay. That's right. Go, Go dad jokes. But you know, we'd look at that just tiny microcosm of what's happening yeah. but like you mentioned well this is is only going not only going to it is going to but power grids start to have a trouble keeping up um you know people start having to leave where they live because the climate no longer supports you know agriculture and things like right. that and so it's just we have to do something yeah um, and there are i mean we are doing something and we are making some attempts but they need to be bolder they need to be uh, quicker uh, in their implementation uh, because this is really getting to a dangerous level. I mean, there was there are parts of the Middle East, I read in the New York Times or Washington Post the other day, that it's getting to the level, the temperature level, where it is dangerous for human beings just to be outside. I did see an article somewhere I mean, that think said... About, think about that. Like the, I don't know if it was the mayor, but some government official just... Was it in Las Vegas? Like the mayor told the whole city, like, don't go outside. Yeah, yeah it was Las just Vegas. The mayor outside. told everybody, don't go outside between the uh, hours of 9 and 6 o'clock. But in the Middle East and parts of the Middle East, I mean, it literally, the temperatures are getting to such uh, high ranges that it is becoming extremely dangerous for individuals because their body can never cool down because it is so hot. And if that happens, then life is in danger. All right. Well, on that note. <laughs> well, we do have a great wow. guest this week. We do. Starlet's and she will inspire around. us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Bring something. I mean, I don't know. It's all still very heavy, but, but she will bring a little bit of more uplifting energy to the conversation <laughs> than you did just now. So, yeah, I mean, stay tuned because uh, Starlight uh, is is great. She's the director of our Racist Gospel Initiative here at Good Faith Media. She's also the interim um, editor for our Digital News and Opinion, doing a bang up job there. And she's just full of life and spirit. And even when she talks about race as a human construct and how we need to attack it. She does it with grace, humility, and joy. So you're going to enjoy the interview. Absolutely. It was wonderful. Baptist Women in Ministry is celebrating its 40th anniversary in 2023. Baptist Women in Ministry, BWIM, will gather in Louisville, Kentucky, October 2nd through the 4th to celebrate. Louisville, it's where BWIM's founding mothers met 40 years ago to begin the movement. The celebration will include the premiere of a documentary about BWIM's founding, plenary sessions, times of worship, connection and self-care, and a banquet to honor BWIM's four mothers. Join Baptist Women in Ministry this October in Louisville. Learn more and register at bwim.info. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. We've got Reverend Starlet Thomas with us today. Reverend Dr. Starlet Thomas is the director of the Racist Gospel Initiative and interim digital news and opinion editor for Good Faith Media. She is also the host and executive producer of the Racist Gospel Podcast, which just released its fourth season. Woohoo! Reverend Dr., welcome to Good Faith Weekly. <laughs> Thank you so much for that uh, 
embellished introduction. <laughs> I'm sure that Cliff had a hand in that, but I'm very Oh, grateful. no, not at all. <laughs> I don't see any of the Oh, this embellished. is all you're doing. <laughs> I'll know where to address yeah. and who to address the hate mail to directly. Good to know. Dear <laughs> Mitch Randall. That's right. <laughs> We're so proud of you. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll start, as Mitch mentioned, um, this is the first time you've stopped by the pod since officially earning the title of Reverend Dr. Starlet Thomas. So congratulations. Yes, congratulations. To offer your official congratulations for reaching that milestone. You know, it was a, a labor of love and blood, sweat, and tears. So that was hard-earned, and, and you you uh, deserve every congratulations Absolutely. for that. I so appreciate that. Your, but just to talk a little bit about your, your project was built on your life's work, A Raceless Gospel. So before we get into the newest season of the podcast— Help us and for listeners who may be new to your work by explaining what the Raceless Gospel is and how it sets the tone for the season's uh, podcast. Ah, so the Raceless Gospel, of course, is not a colorblind lens or a post-racial vision. It is a holy work of deliverance that those who stepped into the water as baptized believers got out with an understanding of a new humanity as outlined by Paul. That There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free. Uh, neither male nor female, but we are one in Christ Jesus. And then, of course, that leads into this, this season of bodybuilding where I call members together, uh, not as a church building, uh, but as the body of Christ, not brick and mortar, but flesh and bone, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. So this fourth season is about calling and calling us all together. Mm. You know, I, I do want to get into the podcast here in a second because it is absolutely brilliant. I've listened to the first two episodes that have dropped by the time uh, this pod drops. There may be three uh, episodes out, but I know there will be two out, and they're just they're just terrific. But before we get into that, you know, one of the things that I have learned from you, Star, that you continue to uh, reiterate in your presentations and writings is the realization that race is nothing but a human construct, and you talk about the differences between cultural ethnic identities and the human construct of race. Can you just unpack that for a second before we get into the podcast? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So uh, back in 2020, I have a perfect example of that. I was protesting about the death of George Floyd, and I was alongside uh, my brother, and we were having a conversation, my brother in this protest movement, and he said, um, he introduced himself, said his name, and he said, I'm white. And I said, no, you're not. He said, yes, I am. I said, well, white is a color. It's not connected to a, a country or a continent. It, it, can you tell me what the culture is? And he said, oh, yes, you're right. I'm Irish. Uh, and as soon as he said that, I said, well, tell me. Tell me about your culture. Tell me about your food. What's your mother's name? And you could see there were uh, police officers and soldiers there. And I saw this one particular African-American soldier's hand was on his, you know, his weapon. And he just looked astounded. The, the young man was immediately disarmed. So it went from I'm white, this hierarchical way of looking down your nose at someone because white is always right and white is on top to, oh, let me come home to myself. Let me get my feet on the ground and walk around in my Irish heritage. So I challenge color-coded constructs and racialized identities because they are not rooted in reality, but they also do not center us and where we actually come from. 
So I try to call people back into their bodies, call them back into their stories. Uh, and that's a good question. Uh, Thanks for that. Yeah, and great segue into our second question that leads into the podcast. Season four. I just can't uh, believe it's already been four seasons. But the title of this season four is Bodybuilding. Why did you choose the title Bodybuilding? Because I wanted people to do some heavy lifting. Ah. I think so. And when we go to church, it's very simple. You just come and sit and you let the preacher do all the work. And that's not the way the discipleship is set up. So I'm hoping that this season sets people up uh, to work out their soul salvation. Mm. So yeah, body building. You, I didn't, I didn't you got some work to do. For sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big I mean, fan of all the lifting. Uh, he's a fan of slack ass <laughs> Christianity. <laughs> I mean. We're trying to raise the conversation, make it more weighty. Make us work hard. Do a little something. Yeah, you. there you go. That's funny. Well, tell us about some of the guests that are coming on and the topics that you'll be covering. Yeah, so episode one is with Brindy Bay, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Bodybuilding is the ending. She's the uh, uh, executive director over at Quinnia Partners, a brilliant uh, laborer for the gospel and walking in the footsteps of and walking ahead of, in some ways, uh, Clarence Jordan. Uh, the second episode is with uh, Benjamin Boswell, who does this amazing work on confronting whiteness. Uh, Justin Fung is a, a liturgist, and he, he's, he's such a wordsmith. So he's going to talk you through exactly what he means in episode three. Uh, then we have Miguel De La Torre, who keeps us on our toes. Yeah, he does. He yeah, pulls no punches. <laughs> and that's episode, oh, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. That's where he is. And you will be on your feet. Yes. He's going to preach you into a fit. I'm not, I'm not kidding. There's no holding back. He's uh, the best, include, the best part of un- making you incredibly uncomfortable, but also oh. a biggest cheerleader at the same time. He's <laughs> You're like, ow, amen. Yes, yes. wait. Ouch, ouch. <laughs> he, 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 I love people who are grounded in, in themselves and a deep sense of some bodiness mm-hmm. and have no uh, no problems with telling the truth. I, I work better with truth. So I love someone who doesn't mind uh, operating in that. And he, he, starts, he starts and ends with it. There is no pitter-patter, tiptoeing around any subject. Mm. Uh, brilliant. I think you'll really enjoy that episode. And then finally, we conclude with bodybuilding, which is the title of this season with Tamise Spencer-Helms. Brilliant. And she preached up a fit as well. I don't know why people felt like preaching. This Because you take us to church. I, I'm a podcast pastor, but I'm telling you, I didn't have to do much. I was say. Men's, and those people, they did what they did best, you know, which is preach up a fit and then to, to poke and prod a bit yeah. about what we call church, what we call the body of Christ and what we're doing with his body. So. I'm every excited. every episode, I mean, you 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 tell us we're going to church and we go yes, to church. But sometimes you know it, it depends on your tradition, and so I try to honor right. all traditions. So sometimes you know we may sit in silence. That is not the case for this season. Sure, sure. they had lots to say. Love it. You want to hear it? Oh Absolutely. my gosh! So I want to say that we, like you said, or Mitch mentioned, we've listened to the first couple of episodes already that have dropped that are fantastic, but. I listened, just listened to Ben Boswell's um, just a little bit ago, and I, I found myself just putting quotes in my phone from him. Um, well, and one thing I thought, I just, I, I don't want to give spoilers, but I wanted us to, to talk about this. Is um, he was talking about the building of the church and how we're so mm-hmm. shackled to those? And I, this is incredibly personal for us because our church recently, you know, got rid of that. Um, we sold our building because of all of the reasons that he was saying. Um, but he says, 
we're not even renovating them. We're embalming them. Mm. And I just thought that was such a powerful statement of what we have tied ourselves to as the body of the church and thought, I just, I want to hear some of your thoughts on that as well. You want me to speak after I, the, the Reverend I know. Doctor? Yes. You all have got to listen. You've got to listen to the episode because he talks I'm, about the church as vanity project. Yes. Mm-hmm. The church, we have fellowships hall, halls named after pastors. Uh, <laughs> we might be stepping on some toes, but it is important <laughs> to know that we are not building a church. We're building the body of Christ and that we're connected to each other, that we're there to share a faith with each other, not just to mm-hmm. share a pew. And then what we're fighting over is will pass away as we say and he, he um, you guys talked about even um the point of you know forget your monetary audits of how much money we're spending oh, maintaining yes. buildings. also look at a time audit and i know from from being married to someone who was in full-time church work and, and knowing how much time the staff spends on that physical space so it was just just one of the um kind of the topics the themes that that you guys spoke about and kind of like you talked about with miguel del torre he's always speaking truth but it's a truth that we're so enmeshed in our circumstances in our bubble that we've lost the ability to see Mm. um and so i feel like that is one thing i i so appreciate about your podcast and about your work is that you're exposing things exposing truths that we've lost an ability to just see on our on our own because Mm everything is so clouded and messy around us. Yeah. So. We're incredibly out of touch with each other as believers, which is why we can fight over, slide down the wall over the color of the paint, the color of the carpet, <laughs> and the color of the drapes. We've, we've lost it. We've completely externalized our faith, and so it has a particular appearance, and it's about the experience of the worship service and not our experience with each other. We've missed the mark. So with, so what do you see as the future of the church, the body of, of Ooh, that's a looking good question. like? Oh, I'm trying to get us back to the book of Acts. I'm trying to go house to house. Mm. I'm trying to love as neighbor. I'm trying to practice my faith every single day of the week. I want to step on Jesus's toes. I want to bump into Jesus on the street. Ah. I, I'm not trying to do this Sunday morning. Hey, Jesus, I'm checking in. I want to see Jesus everywhere I go. And I want to see Jesus in my people, wherever I go. And I should be able to do that. Not just dress it up on Sunday morning. I want to be anytime I see you. And I'm not asking you to be on your P's and Q's. I'm certainly not calling for perfection. But I want to see. I want to see an elbow. I want to see a toe. I want to see something that reminds me that we are members of each other, that we are connected to a body. And I want to see that every day of the week. I'm calling for discipleship. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Uh, just absolutely beautiful. I, so I've got a couple of questions about the pod. Um, you know, as a fellow podcaster, you plan out these episodes, you plan out these seasons, and you think it's taking you in one direction, and then a guest may begin to take it in an entirely different direction. That surprises you. So what surprised you during season four? Were there any moments that just stood out to you that, oh, I didn't see that coming? I like it when a guest changes the question. Mm-hmm. Better yet, challenges the question. It makes it makes for a better answer. I love that. And I love it when people speak with boldness. That's not always the case, especially when you are a pastor. Sometimes your you, your tongue is tied to your paycheck and it's, it's dangerous for any prophet to be tied to a paycheck, which is why pastors so often tiptoe on Sunday mornings. So what surprises me about these guests is that they speak so boldly. That's not always the case for Christians, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And you're a student of theology and life. 
What did you learn in season four? <laughs> I, just, I learned that this is important work, that these are necessary conversations, and that I'm not close enough to everybody, that we have more work to do, that there's more. And I knew we were distant. I knew we were disconnected. But I just feel the need to get closer to, to shimmy up to, to rub the shoulders of my next of kin, my sisters and brothers. And I just don't, my siblings. Yeah. I just, I don't feel that we are close enough to each other. So I feel a deep sense of distance. Hmm. Distance. That's what I heard communicated, that we are distant. Yeah. Uh, whatever our affiliations or affections or denominational uh, affiliations, we are distant. And right. we are incredibly disconnected, whatever our reasons. And that we waste a lot of time fighting over a building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Yeah. I have just loved in our work together at Good Faith Media, seeing you find those connections and find those people. And, and I have so enjoyed watching our folks in our, you know, ecosphere as they've gotten to know you and are, you know, butting up against you and being, becoming engaged in this, in this work. And also in looking at race, like you said, as a human construct and looking at it differently, I just very much appreciate um, all that you do. And I was wondering, um, when can we expect season five? And oh, <laughs> now, hey, hey, I just want, for the record, I did not plant that question at all. <laughs> We're still working out our soul salvation with season four. But you know something will be brewing soon. <laughs> this work continues. And I do want a whole space for that. How important it is, how blessed I am to be able to do what I love, to cultivate this space, and to do my life's work to to create this magnum opus in a public, in this public forum, in a public sphere, and to be undergirded and supported by Good Faith Media. I don't take that stuff lightly. Mm. Everybody doesn't get to do what they love, and I get to do that, and I get to love on people in the process. Glory, hallelujah, amen. I can go to church <laughs> off of that. So I'm deeply grateful uh, uh, for the opportunity to become, uh, to be who I'm called to be, and then to call other people into their deep sense of somebodyness. There's nothing like it. Reverend Starlet, Reverend Dr. Starlet Thomas <laughs> is the, uh, uh, the director of our Raceless Gospel Initiative here at Good Faith Media, and as well as Interim Digital News and Opinion Editor, and she is doing a bang-up job, and we appreciate all the time and effort and commitment she's made to the organization of Good Faith Media that uh, is the producer of this podcast. Well, Star, the... The season four of the Racist Gospel podcast is outstanding. It is so far. Body- yeah, so far. So far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, season four bodybuilding is out right now. Wherever you listen to your podcast, make certain you hit subscribe and leave a review and make sure it's five stars. Make sure it's five stars because <laughs> it really is. You know it going in already. So, but Star, before we let you go, Missy's got one last question for you. All right, Starlet, as you know, our tagline at Good Faith Media is there's more to tell. You knew it was coming. <laughs> and yet I forget. My more to tell is this. Tell yourself that I am somebody. Mm. I am somebody. That's your more to tell. That's our more to tell. And then live into that. Mm. I love, I love that. I love it. Thank you so much for your work, for your words. I find myself like a toddler in your space. Like I need it repeated. I need it reinforced. And I so appreciate every chance I get to have these conversations with you and to glean and to learn and to 
just build a different foundation. Absolutely. Thank you. You're always an inspiration star and always great to talk to you. Make certain you head on over to the Racist Gospel Podcast. Hit subscribe and start listening. You will not be disappointed. Starlet Thomas, thanks for being with us this week. Thank you for having me. So, Missy, it's always a delight, an inspiration, also a challenge when we talk with Starlet about the racist gospel. Um, what stood out to you, or you know, what so, words? I mean, she just she's so challenging and inspirational at the same time. So, I I think one of the things I wanted to share with our listeners who maybe haven't um, had the chance to be in person with um, the Reverend Doctor Starlet Thomas. I'll correct you on that. Um, is that she often in a room or in an, in a situation will just start singing Jesus loves the little children and yeah. leading the room. And it's this, for most of us, it's kind of starts out as this like, Oh, this warm fuzzy, we're singing this little song. Yeah, yeah. And then it's, it's amazing to me every time to watch the collective discomfort <laughs> when we go into the, red and yellow, black and white portion, yeah. or as was later updated something you know, during my childhood, I can yeah. remember in the hymnals, it was every color, every race, right, right. which is even to me, especially more problematic in light of her work. Mm-hmm. And so before we get into kind of our unpacking conversation, I just want to admit that, you know, this unpacking of um, race and racism and, all that goes along with this is still a work in progress, you know, for, for me, for all of us. And so probably, hopefully in a year or two, I'll listen back to this and cringe at some of the words that I said now. I mean, that's our hope, right? Is that we progress. So for just ask forgiveness for any missteps in language. But one thing that I think is so interesting to me in learning from you know, Starlet's work and what she has taught along the way of race absolutely being a human construct. And what she said in our interview is it's not about being colorblind, which that was in vogue when I grew up. Well, we're just going to be colorblind. We don't see the color of your skin. And, and what I understand and what she's saying is that's silly. We all see, Mm -hmm. we all view, you know, what people look like. You have brown hair or I have blonde hair, blue eyes, whatever. But you know, and I've watched her do this several times, as she mentioned in the our interview. Is you know, she'll say, "No, you're not white. Where are you? Where do you c- come from? What's your right. story? What's your background? What's your heritage?" And then you have a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. And separating race from things like culture and heritage and things like that is was you know kind of a mind blowing concept for me initially. Of oh, that's right. It is absolutely two separate things, and race was constructed as a means of domination. And one thing that has been kind of a little bit of a grieving process for me is as someone who is, as you know, Starlet tells us, socially colored white, mm-hmm. the loss of culture that, you know, I have experienced in my context because of race, mm-hmm. that, you know, we were, we have put ourselves in camps of, red and yellow, black and white Right. for so long. It's so ingrained that finding an identity outside of that Mm -hmm. 
and being sad that that's what my identity was also reduced to. Mm-hmm. Um, and also grieving the fact that the reason it was reduced to that was because of the, you know, of a, because of our need to have a hierarchy and, you know, somebody always has to be beneath you. So this, this is just the way that humans decided to, to do this. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm still, like I said, I'm still flushing out. And every time we, we talk with Starlet and, and I read, um, about race, it's just, it's a learning experience. Um, I'm always challenged. I love every time a new season comes out of the Raceless Gospel podcast because I know I'm going to be challenged and learn and grow more. So those are kind of my initial thoughts. What about you? Yeah. You know, I just to kind of follow up on what you just said. Uh, the one thing that I am constantly challenged uh, when I listen to Starlet, she's taught me so much over the years, and it is that racial identity that is a human construct that has been leveraged throughout history to not only define certain individuals, but to place those individuals in a social construct, uh, hierarchical structure, uh, as you just mentioned a moment ago, and white always on top. And I think about the strangeness of America because the indigenous cultures were prevalent for thousands of years prior to the European invasion beginning in 1492. Um, So the cultural identity of North America is its indigenous cultures. The cultures that began to flood over here beginning in 1492 were actually an influx of other cultures and other uh, ethnicities. But they also brought to, with them this idea of hierarchical racial structures because it's so easy to use colors or numbers or anything to categorize people and put someone at the top and someone at the bottom. When you talk about culture and you talk about ethnicities, you're talking about human narratives and human connections. And it's hard to put those individuals into a hierarchical system. What's better than the other? Right. But when you break it down to color or race, you can do that because you think about the United States and you think about uh, the, the English and the Spanish and the Portuguese and the Irish and the Germans, Uh, all of these communities began to migrate into the United States and on the West Coast, you had Asian cultures moving in from the West Coast. You had all these cultures descending upon this plot of land that was inhabited by indigenous cultures. And there, there was the potential for this cultural um, mosaic to be created. But what ended up happening was that one culture began to dominate over the others because of economic aspirations, and that was the white culture. And so whiteness became predominant in North America. And so whether you were indigenous or whether you were African or whether you were Irish or Scottish or whatever your ethnicity was, it was always measured against this white supremacy 
that began to take dominance within the American experience. And that is still prevalent today. You know, I, we love going to festivals. We love going into cultural uh, restaurants and discovering new things. Um, and, and that's a good thing. That's a positive thing that has emerged over the last few years. But Starlet just really has brought that to light for me is understanding individuals not by race, not by the color of their skin. It's not color blindness, as you said, and I want to make that clear, but understanding them from their cultural and ethnic identity. What is my favorite saying or my favorite question anytime we get into a Lyft or an Uber or a taxi? Where do you call home? Where do you call home? And what does that do? Well, it opens somebody up to tell from their perspective, because there are many people who maybe even, maybe they were born here or came here as, as a young person, you know, too young to remember, but they may not consider this their home. They still have direct ties and very deep ties to, mm-hmm. you know, um, the place where they were maybe born or, you know, that their family is from. So it gives them an opportunity to tell you about themselves right. on a different level. Um, it's not where do you live, Um where are you from? You know, because <laughs> yeah. um, that's a whole nother insulting question. So I feel like that does open it up. And I just want to speak to something you said a moment ago about what happened in North America, which is true that the white culture dominated. And of course, many, many terrible things, you know, came from that. But but this isn't just in our North American. Oh, no, this no, is no. Global. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, we're just talking about it kind of in our context and how that has affected our it was, situation or our mindset. It was unique from the standpoint that you had a blank slate besides the indigenous cultures. And you had all these cultures descending upon one location because for thousands of years prior to that, you know, Europe, especially and other continents were divided by kind of tribal identities and cultural and land identities where they called home. It was only in America where everybody just kind of showed up in the mindset that they discovered a new land. Right, you know, right. That, yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel yeah, like sure. that is so, yeah. we don't Good even, point. we just don't realize what, I, I don't know, themes or thoughts or what truths are so ingrained in us that we, like we talked about in the interview, we can't even see beyond it. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you said, it's a blank slate. Well, it wasn't really. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're, you know, yeah, you're a, people, yeah. your people were here. It was a brown slate. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> but just that our need and, and as as people we are most often gonna choose the path of least resistance, right? Sure. So rather than you know, and we do this today, rather than being intentional and learning about someone, we want to know sc- scores and stats. I mean you know, we've recently come out of a time where we were enmeshed in that with, you know, two kids in grade school and high school and then on to college. I mean, you're reduced to those things. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so, I mean, I, where I know that we're never going to get wholly away from that. I feel like working towards getting to know people as a whole person, like you've talked about now, your theology of wholeness that you're really exploring of how can we change our mindset and know that, yes, it does take more work on our part. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think of, an example of, you know, like the LGBTQ um, community. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was young, that was, you know, 
LGBT, you know, right. and we keep adding letters and it takes longer to say and, and it does. But that's intentional because we keep learning and striving and knowing that there are more stories to tell. There are more. Man, that should be a tagline for somebody. That should be a tagline. <laughs> There's more to tell. Hmm. Wow, I'll think about that. But it, it's this the same kind of thing as when you approach someone to approach them as a whole person and know who they are right. and what their story is and what their cultural is and what their identity is and how much richer of an experience that you have as a human getting to know people that way. And that's one thing I just, I always see as, as Starlet interacts with people, she truly approaches them as I want to know you as a whole person, mm-hmm. you know, and yes, your, your culture, the way you uh, identify in this world is so much a part of that, but it's not reduced to this one thing. Right. If you're starting a conversation based on, I see you and you are socially colored white, you're coming into that conversation in a certain way. And I feel like that's a gift that she has is being able to come into a conversation of saying, you are a human being created by God. I want to know about your whole person. Yeah. I want to know your story. And so I just appreciate that. I, I appreciate learning from her. I, like I said, I told you before we recorded, I'm always so nervous when we talk about race because I know I'm continuing to mess up. I'm continuing yeah. to, to use wrong language. But but I, think that, I think that's one of the most important acknowledgements that anybody can make, that this is not a light switch that you can turn on and off. This is a process, and whether and it doesn't matter what issue it is. You're, you're constantly learning. You're seeking to, to learn more about issues, about people, so that you can evolve as a human being. And so it's like you mentioned the theology of wholeness so that we can become more whole, not necessarily that we will ever become whole because we're broken and the world is broken, but we can strive towards wholeness. And the way to do that is to understand our God and to understand each other in a much better way than we are currently. So it's a process. And like, you know, when I started what you're saying Reminded me of kind of how we jumped off this conversation about the, the, the song. And it was like ingrained on a very subconscious level of God loves you in spite of <laughs> your color of yeah. your skin. Right, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like, that's true. It, that, that's, that's the, the air of it. But like you're saying is you're already a whole person. You're already perfectly and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And we just need to, to kind of flip the script a little bit. And I'm, I'm hoping in, in my short time here on earth that I can get to the best place of understanding and knowledge as I can get. Also understanding that for where we sit in this country, you know, when, you know, Columbus landed on the shores in 1492 or whoever came a little bit before after when, if that, if you mark that as the starting point that it has taken us that long to get to this point. And so there's a lot of deprogramming that has to be done and we're trying and working um, every day and trying to seek out, you know, prophets and podcast pastors like Starlet to help us do that. So I hope that we continue to strive to, be better to understand more so that we can also, like I said, you know, in understanding how race and racism has affected my existence is also grieving what I've lost because of it. Sure. You know, which in no way compares to, to 
people who have been oppressed, but mm-hmm. it's like we, I think it's the acknowledgement that everybody loses in this, in that kind of system. Yeah. It's the system itself. And you know, that's why we talk about systemic racism and the dangers and harm that systemic racism has caused for centuries. Um, that in the system itself, even those who are dominant in that system are being harmed, even if they don't recognize it. Right. And I think that's one of the things that has been enlightening for those of us who have been, uh, you know, inundated with this type of white supremacy or you know, systemic racism, uh, who have had privilege and power, that coming to the understanding that we are where we are because of what has happened in the past, because of the systemic racism and bigotry and uh, oppression and marginalization of other people. We are where we are today because of that. And how do we come to grips with that? What do we do with that? And we must first acknowledge it and then secondly attempt to get back on a path towards wholeness, wholeness for myself, wholeness for my brother and sister and a wholeness for this world. And finding the places where we are complicit in this and and not like you're saying we exist in a system and we do. And I think sometimes you can say that and like, well, don't blame me. And that's not at all what we're saying. No, no, no. Good, good point. Finding those places where we are still continuing to be complicit in a system that is flawed and unjust Mm -hmm. and in working ever so diligently to not be complicit in those ways. And I feel like we'll continue to, Unearth those, and and I think that's important. And like I said, I hope to always be moving forward and always be progressing and getting better. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you can tell, anytime we sit down with the Reverend Dr. Starlet Thomas, she prompts really incredible conversations. So uh, thanks to her for being a guest this week. Missy, thanks for you. You are beautifully and perfectly made by the hands of God. (laughs) Let's just remind the audience right now that we're sitting here on day what ten or eleven. I was with say, no that, air may the heat. that may be the heat. That may be the heat. Both the heat. Your eyes are blurred because let me tell you something. If there's anything not beautiful happening right now, that would be me. <laughs> I'm, I'm very thankful we are not a video podcast at this point. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we hope that you have a great weekend and a great uh, rest of your, your week. And until next week, keep living good faith. You've been listening to Good Faith Weekly, hosted by Mitch and Missy Randall. This weekly podcast from Good Faith Media discusses matters of faith and culture. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and give us a like and a glowing review. We produce the podcast out of Norman, Oklahoma. Our music comes from Pond 5. And we're supported by listeners like you. Learn more about us at goodfaithmedia.org. Thank you.